common sense. That's what we're in. We're in a three-week study on common sense, and uh, we're going to continue today with it. I'm Pastor Van Lee, pastor here, and just can't really wait to share this with you. Uh, let me just pray, though. I, I want to pray together because I believe that this is a very, very important message. All are, but some are more pertinent than others. So come on, right where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to open up our eyes, God. Open up our hearts that we might really see this word today. We yield ourselves to you. Every person in this room yields themselves to you, Father. And we thank you that when we leave here today, we're going to be different. There's going to be a new point of view, God. And we're going to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. The book of Proverbs, just a tremendous book. If you haven't read it, I'd suggest you read it. And let me just take a few verses that kind of set the stage for what we're doing. First, in Proverbs 3.21, it says, don't lose sight of common sense, which is some of these guys on the screen. I think that's exactly what they did. They kind of lost, <laughs> lost track of common sense. And common sense really is uh, sound judgment in practical matters. It's so important that we understand this. Sometimes people are real, real smart in their head, you know, intellect, but somehow they like common sense. And so it's sound judgment in practical matters. And then in Proverbs 1, 3, it gives us the purpose of, of Proverbs. It says their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So that's what we're in this room today to do. We're in this room today to talk about living a disciplined life. And I uh, wanted to start off with uh, a kind of a profile on a person's life by the name of Eldritch Woods. How many of you know who Eldritch Woods are? How many, you know, just, friend, just a few people know who Eldritch Woods is. Ed, Eldritch Woods is a man known by maybe a different name, and that is Tiger Woods. How many of you know who Tiger Woods is? Is that the only amount of people in this room who know who Tiger Woods is? Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golfers ever to step on a golf course. Just let me just give you some information about him. He's won 79 PGA tours, professional golf association tours, events, 79. He's won 40 European tours, two Japanese tours, one Asian tour and one Australian tour, and then he just won 16 other things. He uh, masters, the masters, which is one of the greatest golf tournaments in the world. He won four of those. He won three US Opens. He won three Open Championships, and he won four PGA Championships, and he has earned over $1 billion in, in golfing, including his tournament wins and all of his uh, other resources. Sounds good. How many of you would take that? How many of you would take a billion bucks? But watch this. He had a problem in his life. He had a sexual addiction in his life. And on February 19th, 2010, after everything blew up, because eventually everything blows up, he gave a televised statement. And this is what he said. I wanted to read what this man said. He apologized for his actions and he said, I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I felt 
I was entitled. Thanks to money and fame, I didn't have to go far to find them. I was wrong. I was foolish. Proverbs chapter 12 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Someone else said this, said that if the light that is on you is brighter than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. Someone else said, success is not the goal of discipline. It is the byproduct of discipline. So success is not what we go after. A disciplined life is what we go after. And discipline eludes a lot of people. King Solomon, the king of Israel, wrote the book of Proverbs. And last week we learned that he asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. He said, you're going to be the most wise king that ever lived, though that will ever live. But amazing thing about Solomon, like most people, in 1 Kings chapter 11, and God had told them some things. God gives regulations in the Old Testament and also in the New. You know, God's got standards. He still has standards, even though people don't live by many standards. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, pagan women, idolaters, when he was told by God strictly, all the people of God were told, do not marry the people that in this land, the Canaanites, the Ammonites, and all the other ice. Don't marry them. But he took these women. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your heart to their gods. He said, that's what's going to happen. And yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. And God led him. He had 700 wives, poor thing. <laughs> My goodness. and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord. His God is his father David had been. And so how could that happen? How could Solomon turn? Well, this is how it happens. Solomon was part of this group, this pitiful group of people called human beings. Come on, help us, Lord. We need help. So today what we're going to do, we're going to take the human life and we're going to break it down into three segments and we're going to separate them just for the sake of this message because really they cannot be separated. Don't ever try to separate them. Please don't try to do that because the, the human being, a human being is a triune being, meaning that they have three big parts to us. We have a body. That's this part that you see. We have a soul. And we have a spirit. And we're not going to mix words and theological study today, but just to say we have three parts to us. And we're going to break these three parts down. And what, what I'm, what I'm going to try to do is to, is to show you a contrast between uh, an undisciplined life and a disciplined life. And hopefully when the, when the day is done, you'll choose the disciplined life. The body, this old body, it's like a mobile home. It just kind of carries other things around. The body's kind of stupid, kind of dumb. It reminds me of the dog in the backyard way in the corner that just sits looking at the fence, waiting for somebody to tell it what to do. The body is drawn to lust and laziness, this body of ours. And left to itself, our physical man left to itself will always indulge in habits that are unhealthy for us. 
And Proverbs speaks about the body and it speaks about the lazy person, the slothful person. It really does. In Proverbs 6, 9, it says, but you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? I don't know, as long as I can, usually. <laughs> when will you wake up? Never, if it was my choice. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. The slothful thing. And slothful means lazy. And so, you know, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24 says, lazy people take food in their hand, but they don't even lift it to their mouth. Now, that's just, that cannot be. Surely you don't go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get a chicken leg and just sit there and say, I'm so hungry, but I'm so lazy. I bet that chicken tastes good, but oh man, to lift it to my mouth. Of course, no, I've never met someone that lazy, but close close because lazy means unwilling to work or to exert any kind of energy and there are a lot of people up in around the place that are kind of lazy and they're always looking for the easy way out I'm astonished how lazy people work harder in the end mowing the lawn for instance I'm amazed at people in their lawns I will give you a secret if you mow your lawn once a week you'll work less how many lawnmowers have I seen broken down in the middle of a yard with two foot of grass? I've sat on my back porch and to date heard four blow up. You know the sound. And that about 25 times. I mean, I'm wore out just listening to the lazy dude. Things are in tall grass. If you'll mow your lawn, if you'll mow your life, the things that are in your life will be so obvious you'll be able to get them out before you run your lawnmower over them. The blind, lazy people are blind. Proverbs 26, 16 says, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Lazy people, I'm just astonished at people that love entitlement. That's just some another they rationalize in their own mind that being lazy should be rewarded. America is going broke because lazy people are getting free money. That's it. It's wrong. <laughs> then it makes excuses. The la I'm just laying out a lazy man's life. Proverbs 26, 13 says, the lazy man says, there's a line in the road. A fierce line is in the streets. I can't go to work today. It's raining. I have a slight headache. I stayed up too late last night watching a movie. There's a lion in the street. There's a small cloud on the horizon. It may rain today. I should knock off a of work. I remember when that used to happen where I used to live. Jobs were so plentiful that men would just drag up. You know the term drag up means you just quit the job that day. Just go get another one. Well, there ain't many people dragging up anymore. You, you drag up, you might get drug out if you know what I'm talking about. So that's the, the lazy body, but then there's the disciplined body. There's the disciplined per person, and the Bible speaks really straight to it that a disciplined person has a plan. A disciplined person has a plan. Proverbs 21.5 said, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. 
A goal without a plan is just a wish. And we got a lot of people wishing that things would turn out right, but they never do turn out right. There should be plans. The diligent person sees ahead and plans. They plan financially. They plan with goals. They plan in school. Talking about school, young people, do you know why you go to school? One of the main reasons you go to school is not only to learn academics, but it's to learn discipline. Get up every day. Go sit in a classroom. Pay attention. Do your work. Because after you get out of high school and after you get out of university, guess what you have to do for the next 47 years? You gotta work every day. You gotta get up. You gotta go to work. You gotta pick up your clothes off your bedroom floor. Guys. <laughs> it's discipline. It teaches a routine. There should be a routine. The new generation doesn't want a routine. They don't even want real jobs. They, they just want part-time jobs that are very flexible. And, and boss, don't tell me when I got to come to work. I'm astonished at what's happening. They have a plan. Not only that, but eventually they lead others. They lead others. Proverbs 12, 24 says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Did you know that the sergeants in the military get up before the privates? Because they wake up the privates. Why do they wake up the privates? Because the privates cannot wake up on their own. You got a barracks full of 18-year-olds that been selling snowballs and going to the beach. And next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. and you got to get up. They ain't getting up. They're not getting up. The sergeant has to get up and be fully dressed in uniform with a loud voice. And he gets those privates out of their bed. How many sergeants we got in here? I love the military, never been in it, but I love it. Maybe that's why I love it, I don't know. <laughs> but I know one thing, the military will take a, a, a scrawny little dude right here and a not so scrawny dude over here, if you know what I'm talking about. Got to be politically correct here. <laughs> and amazing thing, put them through the same rigor and this man loses 40 pounds and this man gains 20 pounds. I'm astonished. We should have all went to the military. <laughs> I should have went to the military. I think I'll up right now. You think they'll take me? No, they won't. I'm too far gone. They lead others. And, and not only that, they find success. Proverbs 10, 4 says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich, meaning success. You never will climb the ladder of success with lazy hands. You have to grab that next rung and you need to pull yourself up, be diligent in order to be, look, I don't know one lazy person that's successful unless they're a liar and a thief. I don't know, I've never known anyone who was lazy, who was successful. But I've seen people with less talent become more successful with people who had bushels of ability. And it's simply because of this. They're not diligent. They're not constant and persistent in what they do. And the body left to itself is lazy. But I tell you what, if you'll whip it into shape, I just did that to my body just a while ago during worship. You know, you say, what's with the lifting of the hands? Well, it's biblical. You know, the Bible teaches all over Old and New Testament to lift up hands in worship. But you know what? I gotta tell my body, you're gonna lift your hands and you're gonna hold them up as long as my soul wants them to hold up. 
as long as I want to worship God body, you're getting in sync with what's happening in this room right now. Come on now. If you don't do that, you're in trouble. About the body, one last thing, and then we'll move on to the soul. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Do you know that our bodies are made to honor God? And here he's talking about don't attach yourself to a prostitute. He's talking about sexual morality because usually the human body left to itself will get involved in every sensual thing that's on the map. And some have different things than other things. The guy that can't stop eating 14 bowls of cereal will, will, will curse the guy who looks at a woman wrong. Did you get that? The soul. Let's talk about the soul. Just a Bible study here. The soul is made up of three parts. We believe that it's made up of three parts. The mind, the will, and the emotion. The mind, the will, and the emotion. The mind left to itself is high-minded. Thinks more highly of itself than it ought to. It's boastful. The will is always self-will. Every child that's born on the earth is self-willed. And then the emotions, they're unrestrained. Your emotions are unrestrained. The unregenerated soul looks like this. And the unregenerated soul, the soul that's not subject to the spirit of God, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions is always drawn to pride. And pride is a bigger deal than most people think. Pride is a big deal. It's a formidable force to be reckoned with. You know why? Because it leads to disgrace. It leads to disgrace. I think Tiger Woods just said, I'm gonna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. I've got the ability to do it and I'm doing it. And it led him to shame and disgrace. Proverbs 11.2 says, pride leads to disgrace. You know, you say, what does that word disgrace mean? Let me tell you what, what, what the word disgrace means. It means confusion and shame. Confusion and shame. Sooner, maybe later, but eventually it leads to a downfall. Eventually it causes disgrace. And when a man is disgraced, his whole family is disgraced. When a woman is disgraced, the whole family is disgraced. And when children bring shameful and disgraceful things, it brings shame on the entire family. It also leads to conflict. Proverbs 13, 10 says, pride leads to conflict. Quarrels, debates, strife. How many of you are... You just about had enough of conflict, debates, and strife. How many of you, you say, I mean, come on, I'm so tired, I'm just, I'm just really had enough of it. And some of them raise your hand real high. And some of you that causing all this thing, you got your hand maybe real low or you won't even lift it to this conflict. Think of your conflicts right now. Think of the conflict you're in right now. Think of the conflict you had this morning. Think about it with me. Come on, use your mind. What caused the conflict? Or more than likely, who caused the conflict? Did you cause the conflict? Did you ruin the morning, the day yesterday, the vacation, the day at the office, the plan of the company? Did you destroy something? Did you bring strife and confusion? Pride leads to conflict but also pride leads to humiliation. 
Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in humiliation, not humility. There's a difference between humility and humiliation. Humility is I humble myself. I set myself low. I humble myself. Humiliation means to be sunk down, to be depressed, to be pressed down. You see the difference? And pride, though it seeks to build up and make big, Mr. Big Stuff, big man, eventually it presses us down. The Bible says an immoral woman will bring a man to a piece of bread. That means it will press him down and humiliate him, although he also is immoral. An undisciplined soul, listen to this, get this. An undisciplined soul is a destructive force. It's destructive. A mind that never shuts off, a will that will not break, Come on now, emotions that always are out of tune with everything going on, like an untuned instrument in a symphony. Somehow or another, one guy off key throws everything off. And an undisciplined soul does that, but what about the disciplined soul? What about the one who says, hey, 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 we're gonna go at this thing. Because the disciplined soul is always a humble soul and, and the Bible speaks much of humility. It, it, it tells us in Proverbs 11:2 too that, but with humility comes wisdom. The disciplined soul person possesses wisdom. Man, listen, what are you saying in your family, on the job, in the community? What, is it wise? Is there wisdom what you do? Remember last week we said, what's wise today may not be wise tomorrow. Wisdom changes around to fit certain situations. The disciplined soul uses wisdom in everything they think, everything they will, and everywhere where their soul goes. Their emotions, they think before they blow the top, before they say silly things, they have wisdom. The disciplined soul takes advice. There's collaboration between people. Proverbs 13, 10 says, those who take advice are wise. A disciplined person who says, I don't know it all. Why is it that we think we know everything and have to know everything? Why don't we just listen to other people? Why don't we just go headstrong into something? But here the disciplined person says, you know what? I need advice. I'm astonished that some of the most mature people in this church are the people who visit me the most for advice. You know what that tells me? The wise get wiser. A wise person is a humble person and become wiser. They're humble because they say, you know what? I don't know everything. I might be looking at this thing at the wrong angle. I might be thinking strange. My emotions might be all tied up in this. I think I got to buy. I think I got to buy. I think I got to buy. And I say, you sure you got to buy? Well, I'm not sure I got to buy. Maybe I shouldn't buy. It takes discipline to listen to somebody else. That's why small groups are so important. It gives you friends. It connects people together. So that when you go to the picnic, you have at least one friend there. So that when you're in the church service, when it's over with, you don't just make a beeline to your car. There's a person that you know that you might want to say, hey, how's it going? The way you attach to this church, the wise way, the humble way is to get in a small group. I just want to tell you, that's the way it is. You'll find some friends that care about you. You'll birth some new friendships, get rid of some old ones that maybe are not helping you out so much. And then you're attached. Friendships connect. 
I'll tell you another thing about this disciplined soul. This disciplined soul, it lives an honorable life. Proverbs 29 says, while humility brings honor, humility, it brings honor. You know, to hang around honorable people, why don't you try this? Get around some honorable people and in six months, I guarantee you, life will be different to the good. Because who you hang with is who you become. That's just the way it is. And you get around some honorable people. I, that's why I, I love to walk on military bases. It's something about that place. It makes my, my posture automatically gets better. I suck in the old gut. And I just kind of want to get a uniform. Matter of fact, it impressed me so much when I first got here that I went and bought me some blue Air Force uniforms. The shirts didn't have any patches or anything, but I just loved it because it made you feel. When you get around honorable people, you become more honorable. When you get around disciplined people, you become more disciplined. When you get around smarter people, you might just get a little bit smarter. Or at least you'll learn to keep your mouth shut. I love to get around people that are so smart. Man, my mind just kind of crumbles in a little heap. It's like, dude, you are like so smart. I was with a group of pastors in a school one time up north in, in New York City, and we went through hours and hours, and these guys were brilliant. They were sharing brilliant things. They talked like six hours without stopping with no notes, with graphs and figures and dates and times, and the pastor on the side of me, after about a day and a half of that, he, he couldn't stand any longer. He just, he just shouted out in the room. He just shouted out like he said, I'm so stupid. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I felt the same way, but... Even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I would just tap my pen on the table every now and then and wiggle my pen and go, mm-hmm. But I was thinking the same thing he was thinking. Third part of your, your being is your spirit. Your spirit, left to itself, is drawn to idolatry drawn to a substitute because our spirit is the connector. It's the realtor. It's the, it's the communicator. It's the one who gets the, the information. It, it, it will connect and relate and communicate to somebody, somehow, somewhere. Everyone communicates by their spirit some kind of way. It's drawn to idolatry. It's drawn to a substitute. Proverbs chapter seven, love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. And then wisdom speaks here. Wisdom says, while I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. She is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him and with a brazen look she said, you're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you and here you are. Come, let's drink and our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Lack of common sense will cost you your life. It'll cost you your reputation. 
it'll undermine plans of a lifetime and it'll go down in ruins because the streets here are the streets of our life. There are many streets, there are many voices in the streets, there are many things calling out. There's temptation at every corner. I'm tempted every day. I'm tempted when I lay down at night. How about you? I'm tempted in all kinds of crazy thoughts and pride and arrogance and immorality. How about you? Anybody in here ever tempted? Anybody ever in the streets of life where things are calling out and saying, you've done enough, you got enough, they owe you, you should get it, why are you doing that? You've worked enough. I've worked since I was 11 years old. I've worked over 50 years of my life already. What do I deserve? I get a paycheck every week, that's what I deserve. You need special treatment, you've been doing it a long time, so why? Jesus said, once you've done everything that you're supposed to do, it'll be well done, that's good, but you've just done that which is reasonable. I've served in the church for five years, so big deal, so what? Let's go another five. It's Jesus you're serving. That's who you're serving. Substitutes, I wanna give you four substitutes real quick. Ethical substitutes. There are ethical substitutes out in the streets. That means there are loopholes in laws because there's a loophole doesn't mean you take the loophole. Did you hear what I'm saying? Just because there's a loophole, you don't have to jump through it. If it's got an ethical situation attached to it, you should run from it. There are moral substitutes, white lies. We don't think anything of white lies anymore. Matter of fact, this, this nation as a whole, evidently, I'm not sure, but what I'm hearing, <laughs> there are all kinds of substitutes in morality. We can't chop down a tree because there's a green bird in it, but we can take a baby out of a womb and kill it. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I know I could scream and holler about this for four hours and we would all shout and scream but we live in a wicked world, the whole world, including America. And America, look, the kingdom of God is not based on America. Did you hear what I said? Everybody listen, the kingdom of God is not based on America. There are other nationalities and ethnic groups in the world also that matter to God. We are not in control of the kingdom of God. There are also spiritual substitutes. There are people instead of seeking the face of God in his word, will look at every day at the horoscope and say, what's my day to day gonna be like? You say, that's petty. Well, there are other things that are deeper than that that are really ungodly, and they're substitutes. And then there's relational, relationship substitutes. <laughs> yeah, Ashley Madison. 35 million people on a website <laughs> uh, finding out how they can have an affair uh, you know, on their spouse, and then hackers got into it and put the words public, <laughs> put the names public. <laughs> wow, <laughs> anybody in here wondering about it? That's ashleymadison.com. Is that in your search history? Have you looked? Have you signed up? Have you given any credit card information? If so, pray now. Pray now. Lord, somehow or another, if you'll get me through this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. A relational foxhole. But the disciplined spirits... Those that say, you know what, I got all these other things going on. Yeah, the immoral woman is screaming in the streets. By the way, what's up with all the sex going on in the church? I don't know. Immoral sex, that's what I mean. Disciplined spirits. They're connected to the Holy Spirit. 
You know, it's common sense to say if I'm going to be connected to a spirit, I would want it to be the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit with the Lord. Everything changes when you are connected to the Holy Spirit. Also, those that are connected to the Holy Spirit, they receive affirmation. Romans 8, 16 says, for his spirit join with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. Affirm means that we are supported. We are fully encouraged. In other words, you say, how do you know that you know that you know that you're connected to God? I'll tell you how I know. I belong to God because his spirit bears witness with the spirit inside of me. There's a connection, a connection. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't matter what anybody believes. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're pride. Oh, you're holy. I don't know all about that. I just know that one day I was lost and now I'm found and now I'm connected to God. And I know that I can't always explain it exactly how it is, but I know that I know that I've been changed. I'm renewed daily. This disciplined spirit person is renewed every day. Though our bodies are dying, and boy, are they. Our spirits are being renewed every day. So my physical man, he's going downhill fast. And you can take him to the gym, but it don't matter. He's getting old. <laughs> run, run, run. You're still getting old every day. You're a little bit older, but it's dying. It's dying one day in the grave. But my spirit is like it, brand new. Like a little teenager. You know what I'm talking about. It's renewed every day, my spirit. And then I receive discipline. Oh, my. I tell you what, the disciplined spirit receives discipline. And God loves to discipline us. Hebrews 12 says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we should respect that. We'll learn more about that next month. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? I think we should. God disciplines us in so many different ways. I'm not going to list them. But when you're close to God, you know when you're getting disciplined. Oh, you know it. And if you've never been disciplined or you don't know it, you need to check to find out whether or not you are a child of God. Because the Bible says if he doesn't discipline you, you are illegitimate. And by the way, God can discipline you. He does discipline us. So the transition point of here before we close is this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says it very plainly. Now may the, the, may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Your body, your soul, your spirit, God cares all about that. It's just common sense to know that God cares all about that. So what do you do with this? I want to speak first to the lazy people in here. If you found yourself on that side of the ledger, you're lazy. This is what you need to do. You need some self-discipline. I'm not apologizing, but I'm telling you, sorry, it doesn't happen automatically. You need self-discipline. Romans 8, 13 says, for if you... Live by its, your flesh, by the dictates of your flesh. If you live by that, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, connected to the Spirit, 
You put to death. Who puts it to death? You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. So you've got a part in this thing. Come on, join the gym of God. Let's go, come on. Get out there. There's discipline needs to take place. You need to do what you need to do when you need to do it. It is your time to be diligent, to be deliberate, and to be disciplined. It's your time. It's not it. It's just as you. See, the Lord is zeroing in now. Now we're not talking to the congregation. He's talking directly to you. Six row, fourth chair. That's you. That's you. The second part is God's discipline. Proverbs 3.11 says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You have to let God do what he needs to do because you have the power Every one of you in this room, you have the power right now to stop God from working in your life. You are that powerful. You can stop, you can quench, you can stop and resist the Holy Spirit from working in your life. Man, I think the Lord has dropped the ball in your court. What you gonna do with it? Every person in this room What are you gonna do with what you just heard? You're responsible for it now. You may not have been before you walked in, but now you are. Let's bow our heads together. Get along with God just for a moment. Come on, just block out everything else. Just block out everything else. If you're in the kingdom of God, if you know that you know that you've been connected to God and you're sitting here and you live an undisciplined life and this thing has really spoken to you, Go where you know to go, right to the Lord, right to his throne. Just go in there. Father, touch the church right now, Lord. God, would you touch your church? Would you stir the hearts of the faithful, of the believers, God? Would you stir our hearts to attention? Lord, as a sergeant awakens privates early in the morning, will you just rattle our cage, Lord God? Touch our hearts cause us to get our life disciplined and now for you who are in this room right now and you say my goodness I never knew I had three parts I never knew what was going on I thought I was right and now you find out you say you know what I've not been connected to the Lord look that's the greatest revelation the greatest knowledge that you'll ever receive is that you're not connected to God because once you know that you're not connected then you will seek to be connected you can never be found unless you're lost only the people who say you know what I'm lost and undone and separated from God those are the people that come into the kingdom of God so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed and you're sitting in this room I want to help you connect to God right now you say pastor that's me in my heart deep inside I need Jesus. I want to pray for you right where you are right now. This is what I want you to do. This is your act. This is your part. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Put to death pride. And you just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. You just lift your hand and then put it right back down. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus right here in the back. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, come on, come on. Yes. 
Yes, all the way here. Yes, over here. Come on, come on, come on. Over here in the center. Thank you. All the way on the back. I see your hand, sir. I see that hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand too. People all over the room. Come on, repeat this simple prayer after me. I know it sounds so simple and we don't want to oversimplify it, but he's God and you're not. I was reading in the Bible this morning and Job said, I'm a mess and I'm disconnected from God. If only I had a mediator, if only I had someone who could plead my case, then God would listen. It's amazing, Job, all those hundreds of years before Jesus, he was talking about Jesus. So you've got that intercessor right now. You've got that advocate, that lawyer is Jesus. So you're getting ready to just talk to the Lord right now. And in the power of Jesus' name, you're gonna be accepted into the kingdom. Pray this simple prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you as I am. I am a sinner, but I repent today of my sin. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to come live inside of my life and I ask you to change me. I receive the forgiveness. I am your child now and I thank you for loving me and taking care of me in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, for all those who prayed, we just wanna encourage them. Thank you so much, come on, Pastor. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.